guys, welcome to the James Gang Bible Study. I'm sure others will be joining us here in the next few minutes. Our speaker tonight, and you guys are in for a treat, is the man we know as Bobby Underwood. He serves faithfully here in various roles around the church, main one of which is he oversees the sound technician ministry, runs a soundboard as well as keeps a schedule where he doesn't have to do it all the time. He's a husband to a lovely woman named Brooke. He keeps them organized, and he has three drop-dead gorgeous daughters. He's a man of God. He's a missionary's kid. He grew up in Brazil and at one time could speak Portuguese quite fluently, I understand. He's a native of Granbury. I mean, when he moved back to the States, Granbury, where you settled, right? But your family is from this area. So, Bobby, I'm going to pray and turn it to you, brother. Lord, I just thank you for your word, and I... Pray, God, we would have hearts to hear what you have to speak to us and give Bobby boldness to declare the truth and to tell us like it is. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Bobby Underwood. How are y'all? Good. Good. Well, Pastor Allen asked me to speak to y'all tonight on confrontation. James 5, 19 through 20. The verse itself says, Brethren, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone turns him back, let him know that who turns the sinner from the error of his ways will save a soul from death and cover a multitude of sins. There's a King James version of that. I mean, New King James version of that. We can gather that it's being written to Christians because it starts off with the word brethren, talking about our brothers. It says also... If anyone among you, that would indicate there would be people that we fellowship with, people that we see on a regular basis and probably have relationship with. So it would be indicative of our friends. The message version of this reads, My dear friends, if you know people who have wandered off from God's truth, don't write them off. Go after them. Get them back and you will have rescued precious lives from destruction and prevented an epidemic of wandering from God. Both of the verses use the word wander. We think about wandering as meandering around or whatever. The Merriam-Webster's definition of that says the first one is to move about without a fixed course or aim or goal, to go about idly. Think about wandering. You think about in our regular lives, we probably wander quite a bit. It wouldn't be an uncommon thing for us to not have a focus, not have something set before us. I think that as Christians, we forget a lot of times that as we build these relationships with other people that we're around, that we have communication with, we forget about that we are kind of our brother's keeper, that we are to take action in other people's lives where we will be involved. There's a long history in in my life where I formed relationships with the wrong people. And up until I was 16, I had been raised Southern Baptist. I pretty much followed the Lord, and I, I spent a lot of time in the Word. Somewhere in my junior year, I began to wander. Uh, I began to look into the world's way of living And I got to the point that by the time I was 18, I was so wrapped up in the world. I had walked so far away from God in my wondering. I didn't have any goals. I didn't have anything fixed that I was looking at anymore. 
I came to a point where I uh, I tattooed uh, Cowboy from Hell on myself because I I felt like I was I felt like that was a more sure destination than um, heaven. I thought that Christ was unobtainable. I thought that where I was going was hell, and I thought that that's what I needed to focus on. After after high school, I, I spent a few months just roaming around, not knowing what to do, and, and my dad convinced me that um, I needed to go to college. I needed to have something to, to fall back on other than just slumming off college, and he really got in my face about, I mean, slumming off high school, and he really got in my face about going to college, and so I signed up to Tarleton, and I ended up partying for two years, and I, I didn't obtain a whole lot of anything out of that about just some cool party tricks, and and uh, so I I quit college. I decided that, you know, two years of wasted money and not going to do anything with that. And so I got married. That lasted about a year and eight months. And uh, I left that marriage with a six-month-old daughter and uh, moved back to Granbury. I was still working in Fort Worth. I'd been working for AT&T, and I I got laid off from there. And... uh, During that time, well, the whole time from when I left till then, um, the people in the church had really been on their face for me. My mother kind of headed up a bunch of ladies. Uh, there was a there was a bunch of little old ladies that, man, they just poured out the word of God over me. I mean, they just spoke that over me, even though I wasn't around. They just had really fallen on their faces for me. Um, it came to a point where um, my dad stepped in and he said, look, he said, I'm I'm looking at what you're living. I'm looking at what you've done. I'm looking at where you are. He said, have you seen it? Have you seen what it looks like? I said, yeah, I'm fine, Dad. I said, it's all good. I, I, I'm doing all right. You know, I, I got a job. I'm paying my bills. And he said, but, but, but look at where you are and look at what you have and look at what you – You've got this daughter. What are you going to do with this life? Are you putting your plans down where you can look at them? And, of course, I wasn't doing any of that, you know, and I wasn't in a point where um, anything seemed worthy of, of time and effort. I mean, other than my daughter, and I wasn't living well enough to give her anything, and on a regular basis, my dad would call me up and say, hey, man, we've got this group going on at the church. We've got these things happening here and there. And I would show face once in a while just to, you know, keep my dad happy. Maybe he'd get off my back a little bit or whatever. And I had these friends that I partied with, and they followed me around wherever I went, whether I was in Fort Worth, they'd come up there. If I was in Granbury, they were in Granbury, you know. And I, I lived in this little trailer house, and I could put one foot on one wall and reach my hand out and touch the other wall. That's how wide it was. I bought tricolor orange shag carpet and laid that down in the floor and there. And it was just the go-to house, a little bitty shack, and we just went there and had a good time. And my my sister would come to my house and she would say, "Hey, let me take Ricky and let me go and she can come and play with Trinity or whatever." And and they would go off and spend time with my daughter and, and between my mom speaking the word of God in her life and my sister speaking the word of God in her life, you know, Ricky had a little bit of a foundation where I wasn't giving it to her at the time. 
my brother-in-law Craig, he he called me up one night and he said, you know, he goes, I, I've been thinking about you. He goes, I I, uh, I heard what y'all did this last weekend, and he said, and I, I really think that there's this men's retreat going on. This uh, it's in however many weeks it was. He said, I really think you need to come to this thing, and uh, and get saved. And I assured him, man, I'm saved, I'm fine. He said, no, man. He goes, I, I'm telling you. He goes, you need to come to this thing and get saved. Uh, I blew him off, and. Uh, you know, and I, I went ahead and I continued to stumble through life and, and just meander about aimlessly. And, and all this time, there's these people that cared for me that were taking time and effort to, to get in front of me and to confront me on these issues where I was just totally out of line. Um, there's... Uh, when I got laid off, I was working for a, a small company. It was a branch of AT&T that sold telemarketing. I sold their long-distance services, and I cleaned their two floors of their building. And uh, I was driving back and forth to, to Fort Worth to do this, and so I was commute was 12-hour day, even though I was only getting paid for eight. And uh, um, God put this guy named Brandon in my in my life, and he called me up and he said, "Hey, man, my boss has got a job here in Granbury. It's not very much money. It's the time is short. It's eight to five, Monday through Friday, half a day on Saturdays." And and he said, "I think that it'd be good for you." He said, "Because I think you're living in rebellion." And I said, "Oh, man, I'm not living in rebellion. I'm fine. I'm I'm doing doing all right." And uh, well, after uh, after several months of him hounding me about coming to work for this guy. I came to work, and uh, the the boss was Eddie, and he said, uh, he when I sat down to talk to him about uh, working for him, he said, and I had already left my job because he said he was going to hire me. And so I came down here to interview with him. Before I was hired, I'd already quit. And I sat down with him, and he said, Bobby, he said, do you smoke or drink? Uh, yes. He said, okay, to work for me, you can't do those things. I said, okay, that may be a problem. Short, long story short, I took the job and continued to smoke, but that's beside the point. Um, <laughs> no rebellion. <laughs> no, no, no rebellion. I, I don't, and I don't struggle with rebellion today. I, I, I lock all my doors and I, and I shut off all my lights. Um, what was, the, what were you working with with this job? It, this was propane. <laughs> propane and propane accessories. But no, we don't smoke here. So he hired me in 96. I hired me in 96. I quit smoking October 18th of 2000. It just took a little bit to, to get me there. but uh, And I did not smoke in the propane truck. Yeah. Just outside and around the propane. <laughs> That's right. Only when I was pumping the gas. Not in, not in the cab. <laughs> Brandon also worked for this guy, and uh, he was a cowboy. And when I'd been at Tarleton, I I thought I was going to be a cowboy, but that didn't work out because those guys fall off of horses upside down on their heads and on their backs, and I, that's that's not my game. Well, uh, somewhere along the line, Brandon decided he was going it was going to be fun for him to start calling me up on bar nights, and he was going to come over to my house on my party nights. And so he just started showing up and just made himself at home. He would cut, he would call me on bar nights knowing that this is a night every night, every week we go out and we go to the bar. He'd call me up. 
hey, Bobby, I was just thinking about you, whatever it was. And he always had a some kind of something just to get started, and the conversation inevitably would go for a couple of hours. And then I would be so convicted when we got off the phone, I couldn't go to the bar and have a good time. I was like, ah, oh, this is ridiculous. And then we had a Thursday night where we all got together at my house, and we would play video games and drink and just carry on all night long and then go to work the next morning. Well, he starts showing up. I'm coming to your parties. And he would sit in my living room with all these other people doing whatever they wanted to do, and he would sit in there and he would read his Bible. And sometimes he would say, hey, look what I read, guys, and he would read something out loud to us, or he would say something. One time, one time I showed up at home from work. It was, the, it was Friday after the party at my house. I showed up after work on Friday night. Brandon's in my front yard, and he's picked up all the trash. He's gathered up all the beer bottles. He's got everything bottled up. He's swept the front porch, and he's cleaned up around my yard. I said, Brandon Mercer, what are you doing? He said, man, I'm just loving you. God told me to come over here and pick up your yard today. I was like, oh, my goodness. And my dad started calling me again. Hey, it's time you get back in church. It's time you get back involved in the things that are right. You're just out in the world, and you're flailing around. Dad, I'm fine, man. I'm fine. No, no, you're not. He said, you know, he goes, we pray for you and we love you, but you're not fine. So I started going to church to show face, and I would back row Baptist it. I would sit at the very back as far up against the wall as I could get, and I would listen to the message, and I would clap, and then I would go home. And then uh, somewhere along the way, I got talked into this men's group. I don't know how it happened. I don't know why I went. Maybe I was convicted and I felt like I should have go or whatever. So I went to this. I ended up in this men's group. And uh, I, I think my dad was heading it up. Whether he was doing it originally or not, he did at the end. And we would go through. He would give us Bible readings, and we would read it together during the week. And then when we would come back to the group, we would talk about whatever it was that God showed us during the week. And through my just doing it to do it, just reading because that's what I was supposed to do, and I was trying to keep my dad's name unsullied a little bit, you know, um, I uh, I began to get my heart softened uh, a little bit, you know, and, and as time went by, um, the church founded a daughter church, and uh, they had two guys that they were looking at, um, taking over and and heading up this church, and Brandon was one of them. And he started to talk to me about, okay, look, man, God's going to give me this church. He's going to give me this. And he goes, you're going to be a part of it. He goes, you're involved. I already know. He already told me you were. I said, Brandon, I'm not doing that. I'm doing just fine right here where I'm at. I'm okay. And he's like, oh, yeah. He goes, "You're, you're good. You're good. But he goes, you'll be there. They started the church. And, uh, I didn't go. I stayed my back row seat at the at the church. It wasn't a Baptist church, but it was the used to be a Baptist church. <laughs> and I, I stayed at that church, and I, for three months, I told God no. I knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that I'd been spoken to that I was supposed to go to this church, and and I refused to go. And and uh, it seemed like every day Brandon was calling me, my dad was calling me, my mom would call me. These little old ladies started writing me letters little notes, little cards, and they'd show up at my house in my mailbox, you know, on my front porch, just little words, nothing nothing ever 
really big from them. Well, um, one day I was sitting at the um, the back of the church, and and uh, and I and I knew that that it was time to to step up and go ahead and and do the you know the deal, I guess, to to go ahead and give in to God and and uh, and go to this other church. Well, I didn't tell anybody. I didn't do any of that thing. The week rolled around. It came to Thursday night. We had our bash at my house. We played video games. We drank. We got soused. We uh, carried on. And the next morning, um, I, I woke up in my room, Ricky, and they're sleeping in my room, and three of my best friends in the living room, one on the couch, a couple on the floor, you know, some other people on the floor, too, and and I... Uh, I got up and I was going to the kitchen and and I was probably going to get a beer and a cigarette and I was going to go out on the front porch and as I walked through those people on my on my floor in my living room and I, I got to the kitchen and I didn't even get to the refrigerator and I turned around and looked at them and as I looked at them the Holy Spirit sat down in me these words he said your friends are going to die and go to hell because they live exactly like you do, but they don't know me, and you're not living for me. I went outside, smoked my cigarette. Man, my heart was broken. I knew, right then I knew that I'd wasted from 17 years old till probably 25. I was 25 or 27 at the time. And I sat on my porch and smoked my cigarette, and I told God, I said, okay, I'm going to go in there and I'm going to tell them. I'm going to tell them what you're telling me, and it's going to be all good. It's going to be fine. And I went back in there, stirred around. I sat down, and I said, this is what just happened to me. Can you believe this? I, I love you guys, man. I, you know, I want the best for you all. I'm changing right now. I'm, I'm going to fix this. I want to show you all the love of Christ. They looked at me like I was some kind of ridiculous fool. I, I, you know, nobody had any words to say. Nobody had anything to say. They got up. They didn't say bye. They didn't say kiss my butt. They just walked out. All of them. Every one of them. You know, three of my best friends. Nothing. I, um, I called. No, no return phone calls. I'd show up at their house and they'd ignore me. You know, they'd let me come in but they didn't have anything they didn't want to have anything to do with me and uh, well it turns out it was my turn to start looking at at the word of God because I knew that two of them had grown up in 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 the church in Christ's words and, and I knew that it was my turn to do this I had started I went ahead and called Brandon that morning too and I said okay I'm going to come I said this just happened here I said my friends left they're not talking to me I said I'll be there Sunday morning he said you better come at 6 we need to get prayed up I said 6 o'clock in the morning he said yeah he goes be here at 6 o'clock in the morning so we that's that next Sunday morning I showed up and we prayed and prayed and prayed and and Brandon said man I told you this is all going to be good he, we prayed for those guys we prayed for me and, and uh, I was going to Brandon's church for had been several months and just attending and shuffling chairs and sweeping and, you know, cleaning up 
trash and stuff. And my brother-in-law called me and he said, hey, there's this men's retreat coming up this weekend. He goes, I bought your ticket. He said, you need to come and get saved. I said, man, I'm saved, dude. I said, I'm at this church. I'm over here. He said, I know where you are. He goes, no, you need to really come and get saved. I said, Craig, okay. I said, you bought the ticket. I'm going. He said, okay. He goes, I'm going to come by and pick you up. We're going to ride together. I said, okay. So not looking forward to it, not wanting any part of it. I'm busy over here at this church now. I got things to do. I got to sweep floors. I got to empty trash and, you know, and I ain't got time for that. I got to pray for my friends, you know. I got to pray for them to get saved now. And so Craig picks me up. We go to this retreat. And there's a little, we were at Camp Crucis over there. And and it was was with Eastridge. And it was just a men's retreat. and, And I you know, the first day we were there, it was nothing eventful. You know, we went through some stuff. Well, that second morning, they broke out this packet. And in the packet, it had, you fill out, have you ever been involved in this? Have you ever been involved with this? Have you ever done this? And they were all things, I've done it. Sure, yeah, okay. Turn that page, you get to the end of the page, and it says, okay, here's what these things entail. I had stuff that I didn't know. Man, I had never heard of a soul tie. That was one of the big things that really stuck out to me. I you know, didn't have witchcraft and all that stuff, but there was these things called soul ties and uh, from previous relationships. And, and I'd been, you know, my parents had talked to me about that after I'd got divorced. They talked about that stuff. I didn't realize what it was. Well, anyway, so I go through a weekend of just purging and God just releasing me from these things, you know, and, and showing me how to to deal with these things that, that are going to, that could possibly come back uh, to me in the in the future. And um, at the end of that, at the end of that weekend, when I went back to, to church and went back to Brandon, I said, man, I said, I, I didn't know about these things. And, and he's like, I didn't either. And, and we prayed about those things and we continued to and it and it was a it was a long journey that wasn't a, just an overnight thing I mean it wasn't like God's like hey oh you're free of all that stuff I mean I guess he could have my dad called me up one time and he said hey man God delivered me from cigarettes he wants to deliver you you ready he said we'll pray about it I said dad I'm good I'm fine and uh you know it's just one of those things that I wasn't sure about the guys um that were at my house I prayed for them for years man I uh, I would get on my face and lay in my backyard and just cry to God about my my best buds. You know, we would party, and if one of us ripped an arm off, man, the other one would pick it up, and we would keep on going. You know, and I wanted to be that way for Christ now, and they didn't want to have anything to do with it. And I couldn't understand why they didn't want to go with me. Man, I continued to poke my nose in their business, and I'd call them up, and they'd listen, but didn't have much to do with me and um I uh I was going to to Brandon's church and um been there for a little over a year and uh a youth group from uh Eastridge came to do a skit with our youth group and I met a girl that was leading that youth group and uh and she confronted me on the word of God. She challenged me on on some scripture and and uh of course i wanted to win i wanted to be right and so i said i know the word of god oh yeah here it is and so we argued about it and i was right 
the 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 thing about this this uh this girl she she came in and and uh, I had met her previously when we were both away from God and our past just couldn't we couldn't get together we'd say hi and that was it and I tried to force it to where we could maybe you know get together or whatever and it never worked and and uh she comes in and and confronts me on the word of God and challenges me in scripture and and uh she had to take her sister home after the service and and uh I rode with her to take her sister home and and uh, then she went back to her church and I went back to my church and and uh Brandon started uh talking to us about um changing up his uh changing up the church towards more of a, a cowboy leaning church and and I had stepped away from that uh got away from the cowboy stuff and so as the church shifted uh, things started shifting for me and I started looking to where I could uh attend church again well uh Craig started coming around again and he he would say I mean not coming around again he was still around but he came back and he was uh he was talking to me about um really what the Lord was doing in his life and it was shifting him out of youth ministry into men's ministry and started talking to me about what um, God had planned uh, for me in my life and asked if I had looked at that and I said no I just you know I kind of do it by the seat of my pants and I just go along I said you know I, I, I really am concerned with these three guys that don't talk to me anymore and, and it's been three years now, you know, and haven't got anything from them, you know, and and uh, we started together uh, praying for these guys on a regular basis, and we started showing up at their places, kind of like Brandon had done for me, and and uh, one of them had gone to the Coast Guard, which was like my best bud, and, and it was hard to get to see him, but this other guy, um, he had moved to Louisville and got a a uh, job as a videographer there and uh we started talking and and got more involved uh, with each other and and then just all of a sudden it was just like shut everything down and I didn't hear from him again um it it was uh a couple of months after that he called me up and he said hey I just wanted to let you know he goes I've been hanging out with these Calvinists he said, and uh, he goes, I'm not really sure about my salvation. He said, but I'm pretty certain. He goes, I, I got four of these five points down. He goes, I'm pretty good. He goes, I think I'm. He goes, I think I've accepted Christ. I said, okay. I said, that's good. I said, we'll talk about it. And he called me back uh, over and over again. You know, okay, man, I'm scared. I I don't know if I'm saved. I don't know if I've got this. And so we had the opportunity to talk. You know, and and I said, the best I could tell him was, you know. Hey, work it out in fear and trembling. Work your salvation out in fear and trembling. You know, keep it in front of the Lord. And and uh, it, and it, this was um, three months after I met the girl from the other church. Um, I get a call from Eastridge uh, from one of the ladies who's heading up the singles ministry, and she said, "Hey, Bobby," she said, um, "I'm heading up the singles ministry." I said, "I'm not interested." I don't want to, uh, I'm not interested, you know, I figure they're trying to get me wrapped up in something, you know. Oh, no, no, I'm not trying to get you involved in anything. I, I, 
I need somebody to drive the van to Oklahoma and you're still on the insurance and no and nobody else is here that can go. Can you drive our van to um a singles retreat in Oklahoma? Pull the trailer. It was a one ton van. I was like, sure, I I'll drive the van to Oklahoma and and uh so uh I get I get over there whenever it was we were gonna leave and get the trailer hooked up and loaded and all this stuff. Well, that girl that I'd met, um her name is Brooke. She's my wife now. Um, we went to we went to Oklahoma to the singles retreat, and um, we came back. And three months later, we were married. Um, the uh, I lost my train of thought. I told you I was going to chase some rabbits, didn't I? <laughs> Um, had a nice course of wandering. <laughs> yeah, there's no question about the wandering. Man, but in that time where I was wandering, God never forgot me. There was somebody in my face all the time, whether it was family, friends, some guy that I'd never known and just met. Um there was even a guy I didn't didn't talk about. I met him at at, uh, at that job where I was cleaning the offices. He was an Indian, and uh, and he said that he had become an Armenian. I didn't know what that was. I had to go figure it out. I went and bought a different Bible. I went and got some concordances and studied up some stuff so I could talk to this guy. Um, but uh, as I was in my roaming around, um, God didn't write me off. He didn't let me go to the wayside. He didn't forget me. Um, as he placed these people in my way, you know, I think about what it would have been like if my mom had said, you know, it's too late for him. Let's just let him go. Or if my dad had said he's given our name a crap bath, you know, <laughs> or you know, what if my brother-in-law had decided to leave me alone after I'd rejected him on that first men's retreat? You know, or what if Brandon had decided that I was too stubborn, I wasn't worth the effort, or I wasn't, you know, where I need to be? Um, Christmas, three and a half years after that party, 7.30 in the morning, we're at the Christmas tree. We're sitting at the Christmas tree opening presents. Somebody knocks on the door. Who in the world is at my house Christmas morning at 730? I think, my neighbors? I go and open the door, and it's Jeremy, my best bud that was at that party. He said, uh, I'm, I'm broken, and I didn't know where else to go. He said, I told God this morning that I was done running. And uh, God didn't forget him either. There's one guy left. His name is Ben. His name's in the red book that Pastor Allen has. He works with me over here now at the propane company. Um, I pray for him. I speak the word of God over him when I can. He's not receptive at the moment, but... If I get the chance, I, I speak life over him. Um, I think that we're not only called to go out and make disciples, but here we're, 
we're called to go out as brethren to anyone that's among us that is turned and not to let them go, not to write them off, not to forget that, you know, we are responsible for their souls. You know, it says we'll cover a multitude of sins. All of that time, if if those people hadn't been in my life, in front of me, what kind of sins would I have committed? Where would I have turned? What line would I have taken? At, at a point in my life, I thought I was going to be done and dead by the time I was 23, and so I was living for that. You know, that end's coming, all right, I'm ready, let's go do it. God and these people that he placed in my life didn't let me go. They didn't write me off, you know. In my wandering about without a fixed course, without any aim, without any goal, God chose to take time out of his eternity and send some people after me to call me back. And he has given me way more than tenfold in return. You know, God is good and and he wants good things for us. And he wants us to seek out our brothers and to love them and to care for them, and to help them to return and bring them to repentance. And that's what I have for you tonight. Praise God. Oh, so you are excellent. You are the fulfillment of this passage. You're <laughs> being obedient to it. You're a living epistle. It's awesome. God is good. Was there anybody that confronted you too strong? There may have been times where my dad was a little bit too much in my face, at too too much of the time. I mean, right after I'd moved out of the house, I came by to do something, and he said, I see those cigarettes in the back of your pickup there. He said, are those yours? I was like, yes, maybe they're Jeremy's. He said, yeah, I hope you have good insurance, because uh, God ain't going to fix all that unless you let him. Probably. Yes. It's 
And I think it had to do with a little old lady praying. Quiet problem. With my wife. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> it's a small world after all. <laughs> uh, tell them what Jeremy's doing now. <laughs> Jeremy is now, um, he's leading the youth at um, Brazos Covenant Ministries. <laughs> he's my neighbor, he's awesome. He is a full turnaround. I mean, from that day on, he just went gung-ho. For God, I mean, he he has been a, a sounding board for me, and a lot of a lot of times when he was growing in the in the Word and and really calling me, and it really challenged me to have somebody that was really studying that much in the in the Word, you know, and to be trying to call me out to figure out what's what I. You know, my my foundation in the in the Bible was a little stronger than his. He his uh, family was Pentecostal, and he had a lot of conflicting views as to what salvation was and what was of the devil and what was of God. And you know, I mean, his his grandma told him up front, you know, about the love of God. But his grandpa, on the other hand, oh man, there's some things that are just not right, but he is, uh, he's wild. Who was the one that went, was in a Coast Guard? That's Jeremy. Jeremy. Yeah. He was in the Coast Guard. And the Calvinist, did he go all the it's way Calvinist? Adam, he hasn't gone all the way Calvinist. Does he, he know he's been predestined he, yet? Or he, can't, he can't decide. He, <laughs> he, he just can't, he can't make up his mind. He married a Catholic girl. He's 38 now, and he just got married. He married a Catholic girl. I said, oh, my goodness, what are you going to do, Adam? He goes, I guess I'm going to go and figure out what Jesus wants of me. (laughs) (laughs) You're going to have to pray now. Oh, man, I'm telling you. And Ben was... Brandon, he's at Cornerstone out on 377 towards Toller on the right. He's not the pastor. He's the pastor. Oh, I've met him. We've been out there several years back. Yeah. Uh, he's a uh, horseshoe. Yes. Yes. Very No, this would be great. Your story would be great for the youth. I mean, because, you know, that's where so many... Uh, them probably are, and uh, just just that that promise that God, you're not lost, you're not forgotten, right? You're not out there on your own, no matter what you think, and that's a lot of your story, and that's just that's just great. When when people were lovingly confronting you, did you ever try to? Throw them off by playing the "Don't Judge Me" card. Oh, goodness <laughs> gracious! I'm sure I did. I, I I did some I did some wrong things when people were confronting me. You know, I'm I, I sometimes I'd get a little worse. Sometimes I'd fake better. You know. What year was it that that Brandon that you started going to Brandon's church? Do you remember what the year was? I don't recall just right offhand. 
you were 25. But it was it was before you married her. 98. Yeah, somewhere. You know what? I bet it was close to 99. Okay. Because I'm trying to think. We've known Brandon for quite a while, and uh, trying to kind of. I think I think it was 99, or the first of 2000. I think they started it in September or November somewhere. In there, or maybe that's when I went of '99. I could be totally wrong, but Brandon's come a long way. Man, has he ever? Yeah, a mighty man of God. Yeah. Well, the influence he has over uh, Joseph's locker. Yeah. Was just I volunteered there for about ten or eleven months, and. Was there a couple days, uh, at least one day a week, and uh, I was really, really impressed by what they were doing. Hey guys, y'all have any questions or comments? Bobby, thanks for sharing your testimony. What about some of the guys that kind of turned away as you were beginning to follow Jesus? Have you been able to? either reconcile with any of those guys or even talk to them since then? There, um, There is one guy that doesn't talk to me at all. Um, three of them I have relationship with at the moment. Two have gotten saved, and one of them says he doesn't need the Lord, but he's come to work over here at my propane company, <laughs> so it's just a matter of time now. <laughs> Because we're gonna we're gonna stay in the space, maybe not brutally, but yeah, that's great, great. Well, thanks for sharing. All right, bless you, Greg. Thank you.